You are now listening to the NerdWords Podcast, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now. Press 1 for customer service. Press 2 for podcasts. Press 3 to check on an order. Press 4 to eat. Whole bar of soap, huh? Hey guys, it's the NerdWords Podcast, and I'm Nathan. Aloha, I'm Bob. <laughs> and we're both a bunch of sinusy, nasally fucks today. We're a little high, I think, on uh, just uh, life. Yeah, it's like really fucking hot and... Just, just varied climates. I feel like God's doing a Petri test. I say God in the sense of nature. Just the overall cosmos has decided it's going to be mm-hmm. hot as fuck, cold as everything. No middle ground here in the States. Not, not in uh, good old uh, Illinois. Nope. So... Uh, what are we talking about today? Well, we just did a podcast about the ghoul book. It's called Fatal Addiction. And we were kind of trashing on Le Berde de Guz. Yeah, a lot. And uh, I'd like to hear this rant. I'd like to hear. Dude, that book. So Library of Schools comes out. We're in the heyday of running the game. I th- I'd say we're like, I feel like we were in the midpoint. Well, it was in 97 when it came out. So... Okay, that, that'll put some perspective on it. Right, it was nice when it came out, so we weren't. But when it started becoming used, right, is what I could say because because we weren't. I think I was up here. Yeah, it was years later before I got into that, to be honest. But it doesn't matter. Right, like, the book itself, uh, when it starts getting used in live action more actively, was in the game that we're running. I remember both you and me were on staff. And we have that first narrator meeting. I bring all of you in here, right? And uh, I promoted you in that in the same meeting, and you were now on staff, your storyteller. And we had seven narrators, one for every clan. Right. And the first thing that came out was that fucking kid goes, cool, I can now play that vampire hunter I wanted to that you you disproved before. I have a staunch policy as Bob. If I haven't read the book, we don't approve anything from the book. Right. Period. Doesn't mean we never will. In fact, that'll bump it up the priority queue that I should, you know, hear you out, see what relevance it has, and I'll read it. And I'd say about every week, you and I were going through what a book and book and a half, two two books. Yeah, just about just. And this isn't like the first time reading. This is like rehashing, rereading. We would well, assign ourselves, you know. And 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 as a side note, like when you're when you're running a game and it becomes a very popular game, your players are going to do their damnedest to keep you on your toes, because they're going to go, "Oh, I read this and this, that, and the other book." And most people are fair liars. Most people that feed you a ration of bullshit are pretty good at feeding it to you, especially if you don't know. I'm an angry person by nature because of that fact. You would call me a cynic because a cynic believes in the worst of human nature. That is what I am because I experienced it firsthand. I have a strong background in sales. I have an amazing background in in leadership roles and positions. Is my career, in fact, is leading teams of people. And I have seen the very best liars in the game come up to me. And the people I've always rewarded and showed preference to are those who can straight up tell me the truth. Right. No matter what. You tell me the truth. You tell me what you're struggling with. And I'm a helper. Believe it or not, I think that's fair to say. Right. I'm never happiest than when I can help you out. And that doesn't matter what it is. As a storyteller, as a friend, what have you, I'm happy to help. But when I am taken advantage of, or worse, you take advantage of someone I care about, I am the, I'm, I'm the devil walking. I just, I, I shake in fury. I can't deal with it because you don't believe in a sense of community at that point. You believe in fucking over someone for your own benefit. Yeah. Now I'm running a live action game selflessly, right? No pay is coming to us. No. We're not doing a damn thing. And there are over a hundred plus people. I remember having a schedule. I was work full time going to college and every, what is it? Every other night I'm driving to people's houses right. or the city or. And, and the important thing too, is that this wasn't like a monthly game. It wasn't like a bi-monthly or a bi-weekly. This was every week on your game. You have to work for this game. So put in perspective, I sacrificed all my concert energy, all my want to go see the new movies coming out. Everything else on a specific night is gone because I believe I did this for the players. Right. And why did I do this? Soapbox for a little bit. Not that long, actually. I did it because no other storyteller gave a shit about what they were running other than they were in charge. And you know who you are, STs. You did it because you enjoyed the power. You enjoyed the fact that people came to you and you had the power of no. Or the very much benefit of yes. And you could get stuff if you would play that game with them. And to me, that's soulless, that's crap, you're worthless. And I don't, I don't deal with that. 
and I had been to enough games to see it where I said, my game, never. You show up, it's straight up, you understand what you're getting into, and whether you're a man or woman, 8 to 80, blind, crippled, crazy, insane, I don't care. As long as you're not a harm to others, you will play this game at the same level, the same entry point as the people to your left and right, without right. preference. Now we're back to this meeting. Library to Schools comes out. This kid tells me I'm now going to launch my hunter group. And this is how I was. Me and Nate were basically, I turned into a reality TV show where it was like, what story, story plot are you going to run this week? And we had a mandatory ST meeting, and this was one. And I, and I hear this plot. Everybody else is pretty much sticking to the overall arcing plot. Pro tip, we didn't have one. <laughs> Everyone thought I did, and I never corrected them. My overall arcing plot was to make sure that every character ever submitted had their story ongoing. Right. Tied to the city of Chicago. And I had my NPCs, and I had my villains, and I had my monsters, and they were all in place, and I knew where they were. But it all seemed like it worked to a grand cosmic scheme, because quite frankly, 106 vampires in one city with NPCs is going to be some interesting shit. Yeah. There's no way it's not. However, this one guy gets his book he's showing me powers he's showing me the hunters hunter book that goes that you can get that went with yeah it. so uh, after the fucking labor days ghouls there was um i think two different mortal books that came out right um with numina powers and hedge magic and you know you name it they start cross he starts cross jumping merits and flaws and i'm not rude i let him finish i let him talk himself out and i stopped listening because he's telling me power after power i don't care FYI, I'll never care. Players talk to me and they want to go, oh man, my character knows all about obtenebration, all about quietness, and all about, you know, you don't. Right. Vegas conception, because it's what you led with. And it's not that there's a strategy, but I shut down when you don't get into the story, the reason you want to play it. Right. And so, you know, you're just not on my level at that point. I don't mean that to be arrogant, but I got to wait till you start talking about something I have interest in for me to hear you. I dealt with this the same way. I heard his intent and I stopped. And I said one thing, and you'll remember, I think you'll remember this phrase. I said, now what bringing into your hunter ghouls, I know that you have them, you're passionate about them, I appreciate that. And you got the Liberty Schools there, brand new bought. You bought me my copy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, why? What does this bring to the player community? Like, right. what is this going to drive? Right. What does it bring to the game? And he says, and I quote, if you remember this, an explosive rant about how we have deputies everywhere, we have sheriffs, you know, there was archons that came through. Well, where are the hunter response? Where are the hunters? Hunters, the hunters, the hunters. Hunters all day. No hunters at all. You don't bring hunters one whit. And I replied calmly, well, that's because there are sheriffs and there are deputies. Right. And there were breaches covered up. And what about all the effort the players made to silence those violations of the masquerade to handle it? I am supposed to overlook them because you want to hunt them down with ghouls? Right. Well, uh, blah, blah, blah. This went on. He shuts up because pretty much the whole room is like, come on, dude. Like, you got you got nothing. So leave this alone. I still let him stay on staff. I learned, by the way, he's I use him because I learned my lesson. Right? He's he's the first nail in the coffin for me running games with people. Right. Um, I then go around, and we go through game normal, and I notice after a month, there's some players who are leaving. Players who were having a lot of fun, and the clans that he had he had at the time were Nosferatu and Malkavian. I'm like, hmm, it's interesting. I should I should probably go talk to him. And why why Nosferatu? We had a huge Nosferatu group, and the narrators at the time there were two of them. They had to split time because of schedules, and we let him. And he generously said he donated his time from being Malk narrator. I go talk to those players without him around, and I get a resounding "fuck that guy." You know, during the day my haven was raided, yet no one knows where my haven is. I sleep in the sewer, for God's sake. Right. How did mortal hunters know where I was? And I was like, and they hunted you, staked you, and killed you. He's like, yeah. Well, I now have to start pulling out the glue to patchwork my players who are leaving, and I definitely got to go talk to this guy. But I don't just settle for the player's story. I get his side as well. So next storyteller meeting, I have my notes, and I tell him, hey, why don't you tell me about the scene you ran off-site, no ST around, which you're, you're allowed to do, Provided everybody considers it fair play. Why didn't I hear the disgruntlement that they showed you based on this scene? And he tells me, ah, oh, Bob, dude, you should have been there. These guys are stupid. They didn't have any haven they slept in. They just slept in the sewer and thought sleeping underwater was going to save them. <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, if, if you're thinking right now, no shit, it would. Right. And, I'm, and I'm thinking, yeah, it should have. 
Well, I don't give a fuck how much God loves you. Do you do you see through murky dark water in the black of the sewer pit? No. So how the fuck did you spot him? Well, how did you, and how did you even find them in the first place? And he tells me, goes, hunters with faith have a knowledge of such things. Oh, that's interesting. We've read different books. What book is that out of, by the way? What's he tell me? Well, I bought it for you, dude. Library to schools. All right. At this point, I've read that book back to front. I, I became a lawyer. It's a small book. Right. And it's, it's like I'm on it. And uh, I remember, too, Nate's chomping at the bit. I'm just playing a John Cool because at that time, Nate was the hothead. I'm the yeah, one who yes. was just, I, I just chilled out and just had it out. And I turned Nate loose after I told him, I was like, I read your book and here's, here's the finding. You're no longer on staff. Had to wait for him to get done screaming at me about it. And I was like, let's, let's be calm. You're welcome to play. You're welcome to pick one NPC you can play. And I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> and he chooses the head of his hunter ghoul team. By the way, he did it immediately. So I told him he's longer on staff and I did it as a test. Because it is a test. I want to see you as a narrator if you're running multiple characters. Right. Which NPC you pick lets me know what you cared about while you were on staff. It's an amazing thing. If you're an ST right now in Alarp, do that. Truly, it's going to open your eyes as to what they validate as being the purpose they were there. Every time without fail, it has been maximum point characters that get picked. Every time without fail. Not saying he's one instant, but he is the one who chose his hunter goal. Nate lays into him. You mean everything you've ran, these NPCs you brought up, all this storyline bullshit, the players you've killed, it was all done because you knew one day you would step down or not be on staff so you could have this goal. And, you know, basically Nate was like, Bob, we can't let him do it. And I was like, don't worry about it. We're totally good. We're totally good. It's like, okay. What he didn't know was that there was a player in the game who had approached me and said, hey, I don't want to cause a problem, but I know that it's he's an error because nobody knew. I didn't make the announcement yet. Right, And he tells me, it's another meeting I had, and I believe we were eating at Portillo's, I remember that, because we were about to go to game. And he's like, well, I'm going to kill an NPC, and normally in a game it's hard to kill NPCs, and you know, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. And I was like, I don't give a shit what I'm playing, it's killable. Right. It's always going to be killable. The question is, did you do your homework to know what you have to bring to get it done? That's what it always falls down to. And he's like, oh, well, fair enough. I think my character is worth just fucking tanking to kill this son of a bitch. Oh, well, you're a Nas, what's going on? Well, he tells me the story. He knows out of game. And he goes, what would I know in game? Well, these mortals came down. They hunted in the sewer. They found them and they killed them. And he goes, so that's what we got in our cameras? I was like, yeah, because they're NOS and they put cameras in their warrens that see in the fucking dark. I, I hope that's common. I felt it was and pretty genius to NOS with computer skill and uh, some tech to him. They had it set up pretty smart. And I'm like, yeah, do your thing. He goes, um, I hate losing my humanity to this, man. But and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. The guy he killed was someone who was going for Golconda, if you recall. Right. And he's like, yeah, I, I remember it. He had eight humanity, folks, and in, in the equivalent. Like, he was at four in live action, but was going to get there. Right. And uh, we had role-played the Suspire. He had achieved it. And literally that week, that narrator killed him. And the player who died was super cool with it. He was upset and walked... He was upset that he died, but he handled it maturely. And what he told me was beautifully i mean he came back to play a character in about a month but he, what he told me when he left i'll never forget it was that there was a serenity to the fact that it was a mortal with faith who came for him to kill him and it was to him he accepted it how many people had he fed from and killed right how many how much violence had he committed to the world his hands were not clean when he died but at least he did it with a clean conscience and he went to a good place and i told that player i don't know if it's relevant i guarantee you he's in heaven he's like what how why would you say that? And I was like, going, because I think it's a good ending to your character. You never know if you go to Wraith the Oblivion or some eternal damnation. I'd say if anyone deserved being saved, that was your ass. Right. <laughs> and he was like, going, oh, that's right, awesome. Absolutely. And he goes, well, then I don't want to bring this guy back. I don't want to retcon. Right. And retcon is taking the scene back. I never do that, by the way. Right. No, I, I firmly don't believe in that either. So enter this now no longer narrator. Shows up to game. I've already talked to the player. I know right. this player is going to kill him. And um, he comes walking into Elysium trying to pass himself off as a ghoul, but has no means to change his face. None at all. He has an alternate identity background, which is supposed to be, well, it doesn't change how you look. It gives you paperwork and credentials to say you're someone else. Right. So the Nas look, and they see him, and they walk in the room, and he's not a deputy, but he talks to the deputy, and the deputy goes, oh, okay. And uh, he, he calls in his life boom and tells the deputy he has to shoot him in the head. Ring a bell? Yes. So here we are in the meeting on Elysium in front of everybody. The deputy walks over and shoots the narrator in the head. The former narrator <laughs> right in the head. 
And this guy flips the fuck out. He's out of game, screaming, making an ass of himself. I, I calmly get him outside. I'm trying to get him out. It's fucking, I believe it was me, Nate, and our buddy Adam. Eventually, he's like, look, dude, you're out of line. Let's fucking step outside. We go outside. Players resume. They play on and handle the scene. We get out there. Why am I dead? And, and Nate goes, because you were shot in the head with a 50 cal. <laughs> it's a fucking desert eagle you're dead it shot you in the head right oh but i had newman i could use i had this extra levels of armor yeah armor you wear what right. was on your head right you had some cool ass goth style gelled haircut right. and, and i remember the argument you know oh you can't make called shots and we were like dude look like the at the end of the day someone walks up to a human being and shoots them in the dome like you're shot it's not you know rules be damned there's no, there's no called shot, and I, and I pointed out, when did I ever state that? Right. Oh, the book says there's no called shots. Actually, it doesn't. It doesn't address it at all, which means it's, it's storyteller preference, and mm -mm. I see no reason. Right, exactly. Why you shouldn't. It's perfectly logical. Aim for your head or aim for your toe. It's up to me to come up with the rules for it. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Even if you did, what would you have done different? And he tells me all this numina he would have used and these pads he would have had up and all this other stuff, and I was like, but you didn't. Did you have those powers? Well, no. Well, then you couldn't have. Right. So you didn't do it, and you couldn't have done it. So what are you really arguing? Well, my ghoul blood. I could blow it to stay alive. Actually, you can't. You have to exert will over the blood. No brain, no will. Right. There's not a care in the world you have because it's splattered all over the pavement. That's we're, we're done with this. Well, fuck you. I get on staff and this is all revenge. And I, was, and I told him, as, under no certain terms do I not get a small level of satisfaction about this. You had a 110-point ghoul that you made with all the unique powers and craziness that went with it and all your machinations and all your plotting. You didn't overcome one simple fact. And I find this ironic. Um, apparently, God found your ass. <laughs> and he was like, what? A dude who hits Golconda, you went and mercilessly killed, and he was by far not the worst that was out there that you could have. Right. Follow the story. You come in to trick a room full of killers, predators that you know are worse than the guy you killed, to get a leg in to start killing them, and you bring in your mage, your hedge mage buddy to help you with it, and you're taken out with a buck twenty-five worth of metal right to the dome. And he's all, oh, dude, for one hundred twenty-five dollars, that's what it takes to kill a character. It's like, yeah, basically, <laughs> human beings are fragile that way, man. Welcome to being a ghoul, though. Pat on the back, good run, right? And just super pissed. So that's one right mm -hmm. story two you and i go to a game and they had uh we were out in north aurora i remember that and we're, we're by the casino dom's there and we went with a buddy oh, i'm sorry it was adam who was with us and we go we told you the story though it was the one where we're sitting in the bleachers for half the game right and everybody's of a faction and there was some weird distinction of what they were i don't even remember what we played except for adam played a guy called noose Mm -hmm. who was an Osferatu that would hang himself to get attention. Yeah, yeah, I remember you telling me about this. Just suicide or yes. whatever. I was not present for this game, though. So I get shown, whenever a player does this, I don't care if I'm a player as well, I look at the storyteller when the books get brought out. Live-action books can be put in your pocket. Nothing is worse to me in a live-action scenario than when someone goes, hang on a second, time stop, I gotta look up a rule. It's like being in the bedroom, and you're getting in good, and it's all great, and you gotta be like, Hang on a sec, honey. I got to check this text message. We can resume in a second. Really? That's you're rolling the dice. Right. And if you stop that train, same thing with a good scene. And so this guy pulls out the book because he's going to do something to us. We don't know what he's going to do. And so I'm staring at him real intently. And I was like, so we warrant something that you're going to do. Yeah. My dude is the ability to instantly sense if you're a vampire or not. And I was like, okay, you do. We're vampires. <laughs> well, I got to do a test for the power to work. And I was like, or we can relent. Nah, the book says I gotta throw a test, or we can agree that you won. Right. <laughs> nah, you can't do that. We gotta throw the chop. And I was like, okay, but I'm not playing rock, paper, scissors with you. <laughs> but you have to. Actually, I don't. Dude, bro, you're not even, you're just a dick. I'm, I'm not a dick. I refuse to engage in some form of sexual rock, paper, scissors throw that you're trying to force on me. <laughs> if I relent to your power, we don't need to roll for, the, we don't need to throw for the test. Right. Let's just say it worked. So, yeah, I'm you a get vampire. A freebie. Oh, but, but I'm also one trade up on all challenges to test if you deceive me. Yeah, I lie. <laughs> He's like, what? Pretty much the story I told. I'm an Asperatu. Right. No, I'm not from the town I said. No, I'm not a Camarilla vampire. And uh, you're probably, I probably lied about everything, actually, just about it. I mean, does that about cover it? Well, no, dude, when you lie, I'm just letting you know that when it comes out of my mouth, it's a lie. 
well, the power doesn't help me know what you're lying about. I know, which is why I'm telling you I'm lying. You should just assume I'm lying. Right. So the game becomes, can you detect when I'm telling the truth? You're obscuring the, this is fucking cheating. It's like, it's not cheating. It's logical deduction. If I am undead and I am a clan of deception and I, I don't even hold true to my appearance, maybe check your sources, <laughs> maybe vet it. <laughs> and so you deal with that. So I, in other words, I learned nothing positive of this book. It right. didn't enhance one thing for the live action scenario. Yeah. It's, and to, to be fair, Liber de Gaulle is really just rules on making ghouls. It doesn't have all the stupid crap that its counterparts came out with. Right. There's a purple one and a green one, and they are, in my opinion, uh, when I was like 17 years old, they were awesome because powers were fucking cool. <laughs> uh, but also, like, totally worthless to any Vampire the Masquerade game and incredibly disruptive. And not, it, it was like, I want, I want to have like the kind of the version of powers that vampires can have, but I don't want to play a vampire because somehow like you being alive and being able to eat the food while in character, I don't know. Was that what the appeal is? I don't right. get it. I don't know. Like to me, like going to a vampire, the masquerade LARP and I'm like, I'm the badass independent ghoul. Go, go hairy your mother's vagina. Like, get out of my face. <laughs> go hairy your mother's vagina. <laughs> like, fuck, go fuck yourself. Because, uh, like, it to me, if you want to play a ghoul, play a ghoul. There, it's, there it's are, like a full court press. I'm just yeah. trying to think. If I got a hairy, it planes hairy things like that. You got to just right. Just attack just, the shit just out like of it. All angles. Just, just, just guided into wherever. Yeah, I don't know. It was so, just a random shit that came yeah. out of my face. But, I, I to me, it's uh, it, it's it's great for like power hungry pseudo role players like people that want to play like i want to be the neat unique thing even though like i could do that just by playing a tremere the best two goals i've ever seen played uh that i thought fit well in a game that mm -hmm. never even used that book didn't even look at it we got the revised version of laws of the night came out yep therefore the bird does ghoul i never had to see it again never looked at it they had rules for ghouls in the book yep pat smolin and you play ghouls mm -hmm. you went to tyler i believe yep uh, that we had in Chicago by night. And then Pat Smolin played a ghoul to, well, Remington Duckworth. That's who he was a ghoul to and, <laughs> right. and, and never knew. And because uh, Pat Smolin took some interesting flaws. Now, here's the differences between the two because I love both characters. One was steadfast, loyal, very good and dogged at what he chose to do for his regnant. That was you. Mm -hmm. Serving Tyler. Oftentimes, people assumed you were a vampire. Right. Also, you took that uh, that aura. Yeah. That you tested pale aura. You tested oh, as a vampire. Well, well, we need to we need to go back to where that character originated from. Where that character originated from was that was one of Joe West's ghouls. Right. Joe West was like, I'm gonna take a retainer of five and it's gonna be one guy. And he had a fucking he had a, a revenant for a ghoul. Yep. And then Joe's character died. And so if you're a five point ghoul and you're just like I don't know what to do now. That guy was serving. He's dead. Uh, what do I do? Right. So you end up going to fucking the powerful vampire who's like, no, no, you, you come with me. You serve me. And now I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. I know what's up. I'm fucking steadfast in my duties. Oh, wait, I'm not serving a schmuck. No offense, Joe. Your character was a schmuck. <laughs> but there were two two levels of playing it, right? Right. You played that guy, unique circumstances, obviously, mm -hmm. but he was played to impress because you were working under the fact that you'll get cut. Right. And then all the enemies you've made, you're stuck in Chicago, so you chose the chick who has control over you leaving one way or the other. Right. And so and it worked out well. Pat Smolin was with a dude who, his night, every single night, started with him getting a physical. <laughs> right? This is Pat Smolin, yep. and, I, and I deliberately did, hey, Pat, game starts in a little bit. Want to go over and start up tonight? Yeah. <laughs> and every time it was the same series of questions. It was like, how are we feeling tonight? Feeling all right, buddy? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Same as last time. I heard you got in a little trouble. Is that true? No, nah, no trouble. I'm good. Hmm, you sound a little phlegmy. Let me give you a shot. No, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Let me get the shots necessary. It's your vitamins. Yeah, but don't you think, aren't you think you're a little, you care a little too much? Do I care too much? Should I ignore you? No, you shouldn't ignore me. You got to ignore, you got to understand something. He did all his research to figure out why this guy allegedly had all these goals, yet Duckworth never was seen with them. Right. Where are they? So he was operating on the assumption, well, they get killed. 
and he just hides the body and he doesn't know where they're at. However, he's in this old hospital that is kept funded purely by Duckworth through shell companies or whatever. He was trying to figure out why he did it. Also, whenever he got the shot, he would forget an hour. Mm -hmm. He gets the shot, forgets an hour, and all he remembers is that he had the checkup. And he doesn't know what's going on. And so he lives in terror of his dominator. And uh, whenever he was in real trouble, his dominator was this caring, loving father figure that came in to help him out, patched him together. I believe one time he had to uh, tie off his uh, his artery in his leg because he was bleeding out. Right. So he walked in and uh, he gave him blood tenderly from his teeth, literally opened his shirt and cut his man nipple and made him drink from his nipple. <laughs> right. And everybody was like, that's fucked up. Right. He, he cared. But then turn around, he's just, but he became the ghoul that everybody wanted in Elysium because he was a super nice guy and always had info, right? Right. And uh, what you didn't know was that I'm almost positive he was the one who made friends with the Nas, so he always had info. He didn't want to seem to be useless in the eyes of his uh, dominator. So it, get, so it progresses. I'm watching these two ghouls go about, but they become mover and shakers because anything right. that's anything, they're covering up messes, they're... They're, they're hearing things maybe they shouldn't, and they're reporting them, and this this is how ghouls should function. They're, they're virtually invisible until there's trouble, but then they have daylight to operate. So they get to work on those downtimes to enhance what their dominers are doing or to surprise their dominers and prove their usage. As a storyteller to watch that, it was beautiful, and it was cool because it, it took nothing from me. And I got to see everything. So looking at the full picture... Someone would get shot and killed, and it was a Bruja clan retainer or whatever. One ghoul goes to cover it up during the day by approaching the police and saying he knows who did it. And he frames some Ventru would-be hitman that was hired a week ago, but he doesn't realize that's who he's framing. Right. He just walks over, that guy's weird, fuck him, and now problem solved. Hey, Tyler loves me, and Tyler loved him. On the permission council, if you remember, you got a car for no reason. I remember that. <laughs> it was a tricked-out car, and you were like, I didn't do anything for this. Right. Or did I? Does she know I actually rumbled with the Sabat in a warehouse the other night? She's yeah. got to fucking know. Yeah, fucking gifts uh, for no no apparent reason. And that like and the paranoia of playing a character like that and just going, like, what does she know? <laughs> what doesn't she know? Um, is this gift like a goodbye present? Right. What the fuck is going on here? Um, Am I going to get killed soon? So Smolin's character, Duckworth, what starts being a, a realization I like about it is that ghouls end up getting obsessive. You already went over that. Well, instead of me telling him to start role-playing obsessively, I start telling him what he's having gaps in his memory of what he's doing. Because cause frankly, the player wasn't playing it. He was playing afraid of the storyteller character. So, And it's a storyteller tip, by the way. It's not a plot hammer. If someone's not going to role-play a derangement in a live-action setting, you're not going to be around to always see that derangement. Right. If they forget, and sometimes it happens, they get caught up in the energy of portraying all sorts of ticks that make the character stick together. They may forget derangement. That's all right. Find another way to bring it up to make it relevant. Player will appreciate it. You'll still have it in play. Holds integrity and enhances the character. For him, he would get sh uh, submissions on a sheet of paper of what he's been up to that he would remember upon waking. And uh, I loved it because he started doing things like uh, bathing his dometer. <laughs> like he's cared for and he would bathe him so when he wakes up he doesn't have to worry about it so Duckworth looks more hale he has a weird minty scent to him all sorts of weird shit going on more importantly he decides to figure out what's in that serum and he figures out he's getting hit with roof and all <laughs> it's some version of it that it gets ejected to him and he just skips time and he's wondering why he's getting hit with roof and all and that's because he ran into a guy who was a hunter ghoul who was trying to hunt his dometer except he can't remember what he looks like. And, he's, and this is old bum in the street outside of the same 10 block radius as that hospital who's been begging for change and just is always around. The Nas pointed out to him. It took him, I think, six months right. to get a hold of that dude, something like that. A yeah. crazy amount of time. Maybe too long. But when he does and why it's interesting is because when he talks to the bum, I love the conversation where I'm just playing a bum who has a secret. <laughs> and he's playing a ghoul who doesn't give a shit. Right. And finally he goes, look, kid, I was like you. I used to be hale and whole. How old do I look to you right now? He goes, you don't know? You're like 50. He's like, yeah, might as well be 200, don't you think? No. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, I don't think that at all. Um, you're a little weird. He starts going, yeah. You remember his face right now? Can you tell me what he looks like? Yeah. Can you tell me what he looks like? <laughs> no, no i'm not gonna tell you what he looks like man it's okay here's a sandwich here's a card go get a, go, you know 
Go take care of yourself. We're right. trying to clean up the neighborhood. And by the time he figures it out, that what's been going on is that this bum has been used to be basically a killer. That's what the Nas Permagen has been up to. It is a backward CIA, ridiculous, um, enemy of the state style uh, thing that this Malk bought into that he believes he's a doctor and he's not. And he's been conducting wacky shack experiments to create these killer <laughs> Manchurian ghouls. And uh, he believes he's contracted by the government to do it. A couple of them are in the police force. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was a great little plot that happened that he got to go and be a part of and then had to work to un unscrew up. And why do I bring those stories up? There are a thousand and one stories I could tell you about people coming in and going, I'm going to play a ghoul. I'm a hunter ghoul. And I killed my, my dominant first night. Right. He came out. I drank the blood. He killed my family. So I killed him. Cool story, bro. What claim was your dominant? Oh, I was a bruja. What I, I like, what I don't even know about him. I now mean, he was just a bruja. Okay. So it's just a bruja. But yep. you killed him because he killed your family. So he was some psychopath, and that's what you did. He's like, Yeah, all right. So you're like a cop? Yeah, former detective. Okay. Well, still detective. Former or still. Well, would you let me still be a detective? You're alive. Yeah, detect. Daylight's fun. Right. All right, cool. I'm going to do that. And I remember doing it before, and some of you can relate to it. Always is this guy's running around going, I'm going to check your pulse when I shake your hand. Have you ever tried to do that in real life? Yeah, absolutely. It's fucking impossible. Yes, it is. And there's no way to do it without looking awkward. There's right. no fast way to without do it. Without putting my fingers on your fucking... Yeah, no, it's... it's uh, it is, I will tell you, having experienced many years of having little or no real understanding of how this game operates, there were little things that happened along my path, along my journeys, that taught me lessons. My early years of playing this game were years of lessons, of learning, of of uh, finding out. For instance, you know, I was like, oh, fucking, I could play these badass hunter with Fist of God and fucking da 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 da, -da. <laughs> I do ag to vampires and it doesn't matter. Like, I just, you know, I, vampire touches me. They take aggravated damage. That's cool. Um, yeah, so to play a hunter in a vampire game is nearly impossible to do for maybe more than two nights fucking improbable improbable why because uh how every vampire larp is taking place in a centralized area typically an elysium right well how the fuck do you get into an elysium as a mortal you don't unless you belong to somebody which you don't because you're a hunter so what you're talking about welcome to being alone right right and and so you can do one of two things you can play this character by yourself and hang out outside and hope to, you know, get a passerby and then get destroyed. Or you could roll with a group, right? And in one game that we played, I rolled with a group. There was me and two other people, and we were like these hunters, and we like, you know, broke it down, <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we're, you know, oh, we found out this information over here, and we found out that information over there. And I was a real smart ass, right? And I fucking shook hands with a vampire, and he fucking took damage and almost frenzied, and we were like, oh, there's a fucking vampire. And so we killed him, right? We didn't know anything about the game. And uh, we thought we were tricky. We thought we were sneaky little devils. And uh, interestingly enough, you brought up Pat Smullen. And uh, he is playing uh, the, I think, Nosferatu Primogen or insert role of authority here. And uh, he's fucking, if, for people listening, you don't know this guy. But Petsmolin's a great guy. He's a great guy. And he everybody he meets likes him and he's just got this like personality that's like really open. Pretty much and, caveat. If we don't mention someone's name, they're usually an asshole and we right, don't want to start that right. flame more, but we will mention with all due accreditation to those right. who are awesome. So he finds out that we're some hunters and he's like, Hey, I've got some information for you guys. I got some people that you're gonna want to look into, right? And so we're like we're unassuming. We're like, yeah, we're going to fucking lure this vampire off and we're going to fuck him up. We're going to take his fucking, we're going to chop him down. And so we go to the side of this building. We're in like downtown Naperville at the Riverwalk. And there's like this little alcove between these two buildings. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I got this, you know, information I need to tell you. We just got to make sure nobody's watching. And so we go around the corner with him. 
And we didn't know that the entire Nosferatu clan was hiding there waiting. We walked over there. We didn't even see them. And so the three of us hunters were like, all right, what's this information? Who's these vampires? And uh, he drops mask and he has a giant mouth and he bites my head off. He had oversized maw and he just bit my head off. What? And I was like, oh, okay. And then the Nosferatu came out of Obfuscate and fucking destroyed the rest of the hunters. It, they just handed us our asses. Oh. Why? Because we were human beings in a vampire game trying to kill vampires. And they were like, regardless of who you are, that's not going to fly. We're going to take some damage and it's going to suck. Right. Dead. But at least you've learned a valuable lesson, which is don't play the asshole in the asshole game. Don't do it. Yeah. And when he was like, yes, uh, I will, uh, you know, we, we, we go through the whole, you know, we're, we do our three chops at that time. You know, you do three tests. And if you win with three tests, you know, you... You decapitate the person, just like with a sword, and he literally bit my fucking head off. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. Um, like, I couldn't get mad. I was like, yeah, you bite my head off. You're a fucking monster. My bad. So what the moral of the story is, is, uh, well, not even moral. What's We told you some stories, so what, what's a good way to portray ghouls or hunters? We'll stick with hunters, I think. Because mm-hmm. uh, we went over ghouls, right? Two examples. Right. Hunters. Got to have a sizable game for them, number one. Right. Has to be good enough, and you need to sign them a narrator. At least a narrator. Somebody they can always be with to keep them engaged. Exactly, because they're, they're going to be off-site. There's they, just no... They have to. Um, if, they, if they have the backgrounds to warrant to know where Elysium is, and they're all going to go on it, no problem. Then it's on them, right? right? At that point. It's on them, but at least they can socialize with the rest of the group. Or if your storyteller doesn't have the narrator, give a reason that they have to be in Elysium. Give them the backgrounds to know. That they would be in Elysium or what have you. Now, once they're there, they're on their own. But inevitably, you're going to be stuck in a hours-long scene of a chop fest. Right. You're going to have combat. It's probably going to be your sheriff and your deputies or whatever. Is there a way to do it to where you don't? Absolutely. If your players are good about keeping the masquerade, even if they're not good about it, hopefully they are. You play off the hierarchy being superb and understanding there are hunters here. And they're in the room, and their goal is is to get the hunters to quietly do away with problems without them have to go after them. And it becomes an elaborate game of mental chess. Everyone's in Elysium. Inevitably, that bruja who's too loud and too boastful is going to make too much noise. Now, we can go through the trouble of status and deputies and wait for them to mess up, or we can urge the hunters. <laughs> right. To hand, that's what the game becomes, right? A deadly game of chess. Do the hunters win if it's night and they go after them? No. But if the hunters get where that person is and during the day they're going to get assaulted, cool, set it up, tell the ST, pull the trigger. But basically, hunters are there to kill vampires. There's right. nothing else for them. My my personal opinion on the, the notion of running a game and allowing players to come in with hunters, uh, I personally, I don't see the benefits of it. Um, from a long-term condition, there's really little possibility of growth. Right. It's essentially a suicide mission. So, however, you could run a hunter game. That's fantastic. Absolutely. That could be tons of fun. Fun time. Funny-ass story. I told you about the, the hunter test I had to under, undergo in a live action, right? At Gen Con? Uh, you might have, but I don't recall it. Go to Gen Con with Melissa, and it's the one time I pull a Tremere. Weakest Tremere I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, uh, I told you I didn't play one actively before, and this is kind of true because we really I don't really count in Gen Con. Right. A convention four-day session I'm playing what someone else wrote doesn't really count to me. But the guy I'm playing has Thaumaturgy, three Thaumaturgical Pass at level five. Ugh. I mean weak, though, because he only had three mental traits. And my occult was one. <sighs> right? Yeah. My occult s- influence is five. Small aside, storytellers or people running a game at a convention that are making pre-generated characters, please actually make them. Yep. Don't the pre-generation tool on Grapevine, if anybody even still uses that, never any good at all. My social traits are maxed, and I'm incredibly attractive, is what I pull. And uh, I have uh, what is it? Efficient digestion, eat food. There was one other thing. Uh, my aura was a uh, bright aura. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly what it was. And uh, what happens is, I go to a Tremere meeting, and someone had told the hunters we were there. And these hunters kick in the door like they're FBI agents. Right. They weren't. And as they come walking in, it's actually my job, the low-ranking Tremere somehow. And by the way, I'm low-ranking with three pass at level five. 
which is just how I was curious as to what the idea of high ranking was. But also, additionally, uh, you probably dropped out in junior high school. Right. And so they had it to where I'm an occult aficionado. They said, what is it? I had a deadic memory. And then explained, that's what the storyteller told me to role play out. is the fact that every bit of occult lore I've ever read, I memorize, but I'm not good at the application of it, which is why I only have an occult skill of one. And I was like, okay, so I have one never-ending occult trait? And he's like, yeah. Weird. That doesn't make sense to you guys, because it's LARP. I apologize. It's basically, I become the uh, rain man for occult. It's the easier way to look at it. Hunters come in, and they decide, I choose you, Pikachu. They're pointing at me. They said, you're the guy who talked to us. We're going to talk to you because we think you're a vampire. Literally walked in and said, hi, we're vampire hunters looking for vampires and you're a vampire. And I was like, well, no, we're in church. This is church and there's church. <laughs> well, we got the badge and we got the gun. Are you resisting arrest? No, I'm compliant. But if I'm compliant, we leave, right? I go downtown, said yes. I turn around and look at my regent right. and I tell him and I quote, well, I guess we can't have sermon tonight. It's canceled. Can you call the lawyer, please? Who's the lawyer? You mean the sheriff? And they pause. And I tell these guys, he, they don't think you're police. They're going to call it. Yeah, we're police. Here's our card, buddy. And don't forget, we're not just police. We're also vampire hunters. Yeah, we get that. Right? It's weird. Right. They pull me off to the side. Reasons unbeknownst to me, um, this girl playing uh this character this uh this asian girl smoking hot wearing a dress with nothing underneath it right silhouetted slightly see-through and very draw, drawing all the attention in the world because right. the storyteller that's his his girl or ex-wife whatever the situation was and i don't know what she was doing other than she had a character and was a tremere ghoul so they decide that i have to have her when i go downtown okay right no problem. I'm thinking she's a player, no big deal. And I'm trying to be a gentleman and not stare like a sloven pig, right? So we go, we're off to the corner, and they start deciding that they're going to go through my hunter test, right? First, they start with her. And clearly, like, two of them are just smitten. And she's sitting over in the corner going, well, I guess you guys got to frisk me. You know, saying shit like that. And I'm like, right. I'm like, out of game, do you have any idea what you're doing? Because they left us alone for five. She's like, no, I really don't. I play this game. Just having fun, just having a good time. Is that okay? I mean, just having fun. Yeah, it's totally cool. If you have a question, though, just feel free to ask me, and, you know, no big deal. She's like, yeah, sure, no problem. What you don't know is I have the, at the time, I have the the Polish hitman that is my girlfriend, and she's she's attractive herself. She's across the hotel and sees that I'm standing alone talking to this woman who immediately in her head is a whore. Right. Right? <laughs> and, and she's just like, okay. And she looks at me, and maybe she knows me just a tad. Melissa comes walking over, and I watch Jeff, who will forever be my hero, jump in and ask for her assistance. Mm -hmm. I heard Jeff like half a hotel away. Like half, <laughs> he says, Melissa, I need help with the rule call because I don't understand how this works. And she's like, Jeff, it's Thaumaturge. You know how it works? Nope. Can you help me real quick? <laughs> she's like, yeah, I got the book. And she turns to help him out. I hear it and look. I'm like, okay. I was. I noted I'm dead, right? <laughs> that there will be a talk later on of an uncomfortable nature. <laughs> This thing gets this thing gets Sorry. hysterical. No problem. Um, brought over to a desk, and the way this room's set up, we have the like the water bowls are out. The hotel provides right, and you know, and you have all the chairs lined up perfect. And there's this podium, and so they make me go up to the podium, and they're sitting in the room, and they're like going, "Hey guys, we know, or we're the hunters, and we know you're a vampire. Why don't you just admit you're a vampire?" Real quick, what city did this game take place in? The city, I believe, it was L.A. I'm almost okay. positive it was L.A. And uh, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not a vampire at all. Like, why would you say that? Mm -mm. Guy goes, well, there's some tests we can put through. For instance, we know that holy water burns you. And I was like, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? Oh, no, check check my stats. I'm going to call deficionado. You can ask anyone, especially that storyteller over there who told me that my guy was known in the occult world. Out of character, <laughs> no shit? Like, yeah, dude, I'm like, awesome. <laughs> like, you picked the right guy to have to go through this. He goes, oh, you're fucking dead. I'm going to go talk to him. Storytelling tells him some info in plus, and uh, she looks at me and goes, oh, that's my ex. Referring to the storyteller. Right. And I'm like, all right, cool story. Thanks. <laughs> guy comes back, and he's like, yeah, he approved it. So he goes, all right, so, Mr. So-and-so, what can you tell us about vampires? It's very interesting about vampires. Uh, for instance, did you know if you're chewing mint and gum in a vampire's presence, it loses its flavor? <laughs> 
right? I said a deadpan. Deadpan, no laughter. And they're like, oh, no shit, really? They throw up their hand, their symbol for out again. I'm like, Bob, really? I was like, yeah, bro. <laughs> totally. I wonder what book that's in. But I, I heard you read a lot of books. Like, yeah, you heard I read a lot of books, huh? It's like, yeah, all right, cool. I read a lot of books. All right, cool. What, what else can you tell us about how to detect a vampire? It's like, simplest one, have him do a few jumping jacks. He's like, why? If a vampire is going gonna, is gonna to confuse you and trick you, They'll have a blood sweat that appears in their skin. Oh, no shit. He's like, yeah, that blood sweat that comes up. Oh, man, deadpan, it's a vampire. But if they don't sweat, not a vampire. Just a guy with good cardio. No shit. But but holy water, you said holy water burns a vampire. Oh, yeah, do the test, man. Give me the holy water. I'll even drink it. Mm. But what happens? Like, oh, well, if if I'm in league with demons, if I touch the holy water, it'll definitely burn or... I'm so powerful, I converted to just normal water. <laughs> really, Han, that's the risk. You travel with demons, they're either good or you're really good. It just depends. Right. Dumb shit I'm telling him because my guy has an occult of one. Right. <laughs> right? I'm role play. I'm selling hard the occult of one. And so they're like, oh, okay, no big deal, no big deal. Well, for whatever reason, she thinks I'm the genius walking. Right. Right? In and out of game. It's like, oh my God, it's so awesome. How do you know all this stuff? I'm like going, I truly... Man, and I go out again, I'm like, well, just so you know, I'm making this shit up. She's like, really? That's absolutely not true. Categorically not true. Right. They have sheets and stats that they should be going to SCSTs about. They just keep going. A line of endlessly going to vet my information. Staff has huddled just outside the room to laugh their ass off when they go walking away from them, and they still don't fucking get it. Right. Because the hunters are certain they're going to kill them a vampire. They come back up to me, and they're like, well, so what were you doing in a room of vampires? Yeah, interesting fact. You guys are hunters. It's like, yeah, I was looking just to connect with the vampire. If I get some of their blood, maybe I could be immortal without becoming a member of the undead. <laughs> you can do that? Yeah, you know, hey, Dracula did it, right? Like some weird transubstantiation in reverse, maybe? I don't know. I'm not into the Satanism, but you guys know what's hot about Satanism? They're like, what? I got this girl here. What do you think of her? Oh, she's she's very attractive. And I was like, yeah, you're a priest. You want to sleep with her? <laughs> and a guy's like yeah it'd be kind of cool but you know i don't know i was like yeah see already it's working like what do you mean my damnation is borderline because i can convince a priest to consider lust right all i had to do was point it out well she decides to lean into me and leaning over me to enhance the scene right and i'm like there's a no touch rule and i mention it knock I'm, I'm not going to lie to you how I mentioned it. It wasn't like I was like, there's a strict no touch rule. <laughs> she leaned over and smelled amazing. And I was like, there's like a no touch rule. <laughs> All right. You know, maybe you shouldn't, you know, say it. But, you know, I said it. And she's like, don't worry. I heard it. And I was like, okay, I'm just checking. I mean, I'm, all right, whatever. And so she's going along with it. And then she tells him, she goes, do you know what's really cool about him? She's like, what? He's psychic. Now I'm fucked. <laughs> right. Nowhere on my sheet does it say I'm psychic, right? So I'm like, okay, uh, cool. They break and they're deciding if they're going to kill me or not. One guy's dead certain. There's always right, one. Right, there's always one who is immovable. Doesn't give a shit. You're going to die burning in the sun. And he comes back and they decide, hey, we're going to give you the sunlight test. It's like, what if I just showed you how to do a ritual that would allow you to manipulate objects with your mind? I mean, she's kind of right. I do know a thing or two about psychic, but uh, you know, I mean, I could show you guys do the same thing. Right. All right, cool. Like what? Anybody got a sheet of paper? It's like, yeah, just lay it on the table. I need all of us to get around it. It's like, okay. Everyone here needs to stick one finger and touch, just barely touch the center of the of, of the piece of paper. It's like, what are we going to do? I think it's going to be really cool. I'm like, what's that? And I use movement of the mind to slam a desk in all three of them so her and I could run. <laughs> right? They did it. I hit them with it, and we take off running. We declare fair escape. Storytellers are cool with it. The one guy you got hit... Oh my God, was he pissed? You know, he he took damage because he right. was the one who wanted to kill us. And he goes, I told you he's a vampire. And the other guys were like, he's not a vampire. He said he was psychic and we said we were going to kill him. Right. He clearly knew we were going to really kill him. <laughs> right. That's why he got away. And they are hard arguing out of game about we're laughing, we're laughing, we're laughing. I go back to the Shmir Chantry and sit down. She decides to sit on my lap. And that's how I know she had nothing underneath. <laughs> and at this point, every guy listening knows this scenario. I'm fucked. Right. <laughs> Any woman dating a man anywhere, you instantly know when some girl crosses a line and you know that the guy has crossed the line. Because not, not that I did it. I'm the victim here. I didn't, I didn't want her to sit down. She chose to. Right. Right. Here's where Jeff enters forever the Wingman Hall of Fame. 
Melissa comes walking in and has food. I haven't ate all night. She knows that. She's bringing in food to me. Supposed to be eating. She's being a doll for doing it. I fucking right. love her to death for taking care of a man like that. And when she comes walking in, this girl's sitting in my lap talking to me and flirting. And Jeff goes, in character, there's that bitch. And Melissa's like, what? And I was like, oh, we kind of got to be in character here. Bob was forced dominated that he can't move from where he's sitting. <laughs> and Melissa goes, no shit. And then Melissa just took it from there out of game. Like, I can't believe this fucking cunt. And she's just pissed. And I'm sitting here like, well, now I can't move, but the alternative is better than what's going to happen. Right. right? <laughs> so, so I'm there for like five minutes. And then I'm like, you have to get up now. She goes, okay. She gets up and I immediately, I go to the bathroom and I am faking my ass off that I hated the scenario. I'm putting on a caliber <laughs> performance of epic nature. Just kind of can't believe she said fucking sit on my knee. Can't fucking, ah, Melissa. Fuck that. She's like, babe, what's wrong? And then Melissa's like, calm down. I'm like, yeah, I should calm down. I said, calm down. It's all right. I just, I'm just <laughs> devoted to you, babe. I love you to death. She knows it. This is how much of a cunt this chick is. She comes walking up. She goes, this is a good performance, but you wouldn't have fooled me. She's like, if you're on later, we can get a drink. It's cool, though, because I'm engaged to another guy, so it's all good. Right? And I'm sitting there going, okay, by the way, here's what Jeff does the rest of the time I'm at Gen Con. Hey, Bob, I sure am thirsty. <laughs> I'm getting Jeff bottles of water. I'm buying him. He made me in the bazaar buy him an actual Coke when we were walking around at bizarre prices because he couldn't wait to get to the restaurant. Just chuckling. I mean, I love him to death Just for it. Just smiling that's, under his breath, you know. That's fun now, to learn. You know, um, I I've always been able at any convention game or or uh, most LARPs I've gone to, I have been able to avoid that scenario by just being a fucking asshole. <laughs> The entire time. Um, you know, as we had said earlier in our illustrious storytelling career, there was a time where I was not the calm and and uh, sort of compliant individual <laughs> that I've grown into be. I was a, uh, I would say feisty is an appropriate word, perhaps um, powder keg of fuckery would be uh, an appropriate way to, to describe. Um, I have a general take no shit attitude. I always have. You're a Henry Rollins type. I, I was very much a vocal Henry Rollins type when I was younger. Um, the concept of being concerned about what you, the victim of my mouth, thinks was foreign to me. I did not care, simply put. Um, but, I, you know, I try to be a pretty uh, open guy, pretty fair guy nowadays in my, in my, uh, my older age, my, my older years. Um, but yeah, there was like, go to a convention. If you stepped out of line as a storyteller, I was up your fucking ass. Yep. And every character I ever played was a fucking Jagoff. So the, like that never happened. So yeah, I never, I never had to worry about any of that. Do you remember the quote? Fuck you, your entire game and the cunt that dropped you out of, <laughs> or the cunt that you dropped out of. I distinctly remember that at a, at a Gen Con. Uh, uh, the, the worst one was, uh, was the Vancouver one for me only because of how badly we got screwed the whole game by a subpar shitty Sabat storyteller. And then when I decided that it was now time to exact my vengeance on the city after our blood hunt, they literally called the game and I was like, fuck you, fuck this game. So, yeah. Uh, or okay. it was hours of you, Jeff, and Dominic making fun of the woman. This may be too distinctive, but had the sign lupus on board. <laughs> I, you, he, folks, Nate was mimicking it before I said it. He literally had it coming I knew exactly. I knew exactly what you were talking about because that was either my first or my second convention LARP. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It was golden. It was golden. She's, she put, it's okay to bring your kids to Gen Con. People generations, right? Go yeah. to Gen Con. Mm -hmm. We're not caring about that. But we're at a LARP where people are going to get seedy, <laughs> shitty, whatever. They're gonna, they're acting and it could go anywhere. And uh, there's this kid being pushed around and she's trying to put asleep. And she's like, beep, beep, lupus on board. And fucking, I remember Jeff. Are you fucking kidding me, lady? <laughs> it is it is something so embarrassingly stupefying that we've carried it for over a decade. It's because it's the only place where we ever heard another phrase. Well, fuck me running with a clave. <laughs> like wh what? So um, this is no no intentional dig at, at were werewolf guru players in general. But man, they tend to be a unique breed. It's. Oh wow! I'm there so is there is a there is a 
generally a distinct difference between a werewolf player and a vampire player, so and know, they are fucking leagues apart. So we know Troy, right? Uh-huh. Troy, Troy, I like. Troy's a good friend. Uh, he's a good guy. We go to uh, we go to LARP one time when I'm with him, and he and I are just exploring games offered. You know, just checking out. Right. Like, I basically spent the morning with him, and we're jumping in and out of live action sessions. And uh, we go to one where it's werewolves, and Jeff's there, and we decided we were all going to be make this make fun of this werewolf pack we're playing, right? Like I was, I was eats the cake, the lupus, <laughs> and uh, I think Jeff was like, uh, "Who was the dude who got arrested? The football player for having dogs, and and forced them to fight." Uh, oh, um, Michael Vick, I think. Yeah, Michael Vick. Yeah, we were all part of Michael Vick's dogs. We're the dogs wow. he hit that was abused. That was our our whole storyline. Story in the story to left his ass off is like, yeah, let me rubber stamp this shit right quick. I don't care what you have. <laughs> so we're playing it. When we go to get in get in game, they have what they call a den mother. Now, I've heard this phrase before years ago when Laws of the Wild first came out and they were doing werewolf and den mother was a role for basically it's the usually female elder werewolf that teaches the cubs or new players right. as it were the ropes. Yeah, this woman came up and was like, well, we got to go through a cleansing scenario. Bless Troy's heart. He turned and looked her dead in the face and he goes, well, absolutely we do. <laughs> well, we need to do it. What, what entails this? I'm, I'm very open to your ideas of doing that. You know, what, you know what, what does that all involve? And Troy looked back at me, just winks at me, and he just keeps talking. Because uh, Troy learned early on, I, uh, there may be a lot of me and you alike. Right. Because she mentioned this cleansing ritual and I immediately am like, bearing teeth like really i ain't no cleansing ritual i need she just said i was tainted right what the hell's wrong with you woman and i'm like going to bark at her or whatever what's what you doing werewolf and um really i wanted to attack park cars that was my character's thing <laughs> i didn't understand cars i was gonna do it and uh it's, it was hysterical to have the fucking storyteller deal with us by the way for that and uh troy handles it decent and he goes hey bob why don't we just come over here for five minutes to this very day, I swear to you, he was doing it to fuck with me. We come over, and she's like, you got to breathe in through the nose and embrace all of Gaia. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm in a hotel. Right. Right? It's not, hey, can we not have like people walking around all over the place? And right. Can we go to a park if I have to embrace Gaia? Like somewhere I can meditate? I can't concentrate. You just asked me to sit still. I'm on coffee. And number five, and God knows what Red Bull number is, and that's all I've had. Right. Because it's Gen Con. No, I'm not going to sit still for an hour. <laughs> Bob, we have to try. It's important. You want Gnosis back? Our spirituality's on the line. I was like, you know what, Troy? You handle your crystal like life alone. I'm not <laughs> dealing with it. <laughs> I couldn't deal with it. I know he did it on purpose the best of the right. We go to leave. And all I remember is Jeff. He goes, you know what we can do, Bob? There's that changeling right next door. And I don't know why. Slap happy. If you're on sleep depth, if you're high on Red Bull or Pixie Sticks, Changeling's <laughs> the game. I had a blast playing that game walking over only because anything they said was hysterical and we took to the exact extreme that they weren't expecting. Yeah, right. No, I've, I've, I've heard that Changeling is a good game. However, I am unwavering in my unwillingness to play it. Look, dude, it's not about being unwavering. New Changeling? Like NY changeling, yeah. fantastic. That is a, that yep. that is serious play. Mm-hmm. The last two things I mentioned were just like sort of nods because if you know us, right. you've heard the stories, right? Uh, but where Phil talks about him, if he's ever fast to play changeling, it's an ongoing joke that if we seriously play. One of the bunks that both of us have to take is that before and bunks are what you got to do to cast your magic. That we're both gonna drop pants and shit on the sidewalk. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> and uh, that's what's going to be because that's about how much we care about being whatever. Yeah. And uh, that was the goal. But after hearing hearing what you could do with Changeling, it's like if everyone's playing Changeling mm-hmm. and you're high, I got to stress that. Right. You have to, I didn't say on drugs, sugar. Right. Caffeine. You have to be on a high energy high and delirious in order to play those games, which comes and answers the question, do they need to be played? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh I, I've read a little bit uh, over the years about Changeling, and I've observed a lot of it. And I was just like, "Oh, that that appears to have no. In- I have no interest in that whatsoever. That is. I think you would burst into flame. That is not interesting to me. I am just not that. Uh, I'm just not that lighthearted. I guess. I only want to play Changeling with you <laughs> because I want to watch you 
Because I know the facial expressions will be worth the price of admission. <laughs> so I could play a grump. Oh, All right. Gorgeous. Well, after shitting on the floor, I think we're going to end our podcast there. Oh, by the way, now that's called getting swifty. We got to update the right, time. Right, right. We were, we were getting swifty before we were, it was swifty. Yeah. Um, but yes, thank you for listening. Uh, please follow us, communicate with us. Go to utilitymuffinlabs.com, and you can find all the ways to do it. We do have a Patreon page that you can support us at, and a variety of other things. Thank you for listening. I am Nathan. And I'm Pickle Rick. And next week, we're going to do another podcast. Goodbye. EMP from the mother and son Tore the digital down Don't know the age of the innocent ones The indigo children The indigo children come When the indigo children